0: Let's talk. I'm Joelle and I'll be your host on this podcast. I'm a Biscoff obsessed life coach based in the UK focusing on confidence and social justice. I help women of colour just like you to overcome self-doubt so they can feel confident and fulfilled. Now enough from me let's talk in today's episode. Okay so yes so to everyone who's listening today whether you're going to join in live or whether you're listening on the podcast today we have Joey with us. As part of my linear series celebrating East and Southeast Asian women and their stories. So, really excited to have you from across the pond. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself to anyone who doesn't know
1: you? Um,
0: And yeah, just like a brief intro to who you are.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Jolie. I am uh, a storytelling coach for women of color, and I am.
0: Located in
1: Boston, Massachusetts, um, which is also known as Wampanoag, Pawtucket, and Massachusetts land. Um, So, yeah, literally right across the pond (laughs) from Joelle. Um, But, yeah, that's, like, my briefest intro I guess is there anything else I should share uh
0: no I guess not I mean another thing is because obviously <laughs> the new year and it's New year tomorrow <laughs> like what's your zodiac animal and I guess to like start the conversation around that like what are you um how do you celebrate do you celebrate it's different like you know when you're younger till now
1: yeah. So on the Zodiac, I am a ram. Um, so this is your yet. I'll let you do that. No, oh, um, oh no. because this is the ox, Sheep, right also has horns but different yeah <laughs> um no look it's not my year you can guess my age i guess if you if you look at the calendar um old i am um but in terms of lunar new year my family's not super super traditional even though i am first gen my parents are immigrants um but we would still do like the red envelopes exchanging red envelopes mm. uh, making sure that we said all the sayings um, like cleaning the house, getting your hair cut before, like trying your best, you know what I mean? My parents weren't like super staunch on doing those things, but making sure, like, you know, bringing citrus into the home. Mm-hmm. Um, before the holidays. So generally speaking, my dad's one of 11 children. Um, So yeah, it's a lot. Um, And we've been fortunate enough that all of them, generally speaking, are located in the Boston area. Um, So growing up, most of Lunar New Year looked like just like going to my aunt's house and just seeing like all 19 of my cousins over there and just eating lots of food and like doing it completely like potluck style just because there's Mm. so many of us. So. That's just, yeah, my biggest traditions with Lunar New Year. And also um, when my grandmother passed away, my parents took on a tradition of making lingo um, and the sweet kind, um, which I really like. And then a newly adopted type um, was this butter-based one. I don't know if you've heard of this one. I don't think it's super traditional because of the butter. Explain
0: what's kind of like
1: involved in the butter lingo. yeah, I just, I actually don't know the full recipe. Um, I tried to get it from my dad, but he was just like, I don't know where it is, (laughs) but, um, the butter based one, I believe is baked in the oven. And it creates like a really crispy exterior, but the inside is still like chewy from the glutinous rice flour. Mm. But you don't, at least from my perspective, we didn't dip it in the egg and pan fry it. You just kind of toasted it in the oven. And because of the butter, again, it would just get like nice and golden brown and crispy. So mm. um, definitely not traditional, but like a cool, fun take on something that is traditional, and it became just like a staple on New Year's. Like you just had two different types. Of lingo, I was
0: like, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, that sounds so good! No, yeah, my mom like did um the normal type, well, the normal um type of lingo with like just you know the the um rock sugar and like melt it and like you know make it with a glutinous rice. And like, apparently, it's pretty easy to make, but I've never actually done it, so I suppose I need to try it at some point. <laughs>
1: I know my goal was to make it. But to be totally honest, I went to the Asian supermarket, I think last weekend, and it was already mobbed. And I was like, you know, in normal times, maybe I'd be like willing to like elbow my way through. But during COVID, I was like, I'm just gonna come after New Year and try it. Like, <laughs> uh, it'll still taste good even after the New Year. So I'll let you know, I'll keep you posted. I'm really hoping to try it this year. So
0: yeah, like, I know what you mean. Like, I always say, like, oh, I love legal. I want to have more of it, like, but we never, like, actually do other than New Year. Um, but, yeah, like, kind of going back to the topic of actually being a storytelling coach and, um, like, embracing yourself as, you know, being specifically, like, Cantonese so, uh, from Hong Kong, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, how has that kind of played into your role as a coach and also tying your identity into it?
1: Yeah, so to kind of backtrack a little bit Um, before I decided to become a coach or a storytelling coach um, I was a wellness blogger Um, and the reason why I started my blog was because I didn't see people who looked like me like in the wellness space and Mm -hmm. it's kind of twofold because I actually I put that on me to not explore beyond like the typical white wellness blogger that I really like just turned to because they had such a large platform and mm. they were given such large, large platform because of media and things like that. But I was like, I just, I, I was talking to my friend last night actually, who, um, identifies as Filipino, but, um, we were talking about how like coming into consciousness and like everyone has their different journey and all that. So I, consider myself coming into conscien- consciousness like relatively recently like within the last five years which feels recent to me right like mm. being almost 30 but also just kind of reclaiming my Asian identity um feels really mm. bizarre because that's more I spent more years alive not really thinking about it versus now thinking about it almost 24 mm. yeah. um
0: is that what you mean by coming into consciousness just for anyone who doesn't know. yeah live?
1: Yeah, just like recognizing like how important my identity was because growing up in white spaces, continuing to work, um, you know, in white spaces, like I just thought that like, I didn't want to be different. Like I got made fun of as a kid all the time. So I was like, I don't, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Like, I don't need to associate myself with that part of my identity, even though like I enjoyed the food and things like that. And, you know, like just internalized racism just from Mm the environment that I was brought up in. Um, so where was I? Yeah. So I was a wellness blogger. wasn't really seeing people who looked like me and it just like was really upsetting to me. But the further that I dove into it, I realized that there are people who look like me that care about like the things they eat, how to take care of their body, their mental health, spiritual, um, everything that goes into wellness. It's just that we're not being showcased as much. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is a, this is like a problem. Um, and I'm really sad that it took me so long to figure out what the root of the problem was, Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to kind of make the switch to uh becoming a storytelling coach because uh, my background is in higher education. I spent a majority of my career in higher education. I loved my one on one time with my students. I loved watching them grow throughout their time um in undergrad and realizing like how impactful my connections could be with other people. And I'm not saying that like, that is the power is on me. I'm saying like, mm. I'm just there as a guide, like I'm there to guide you through this process, like answer your questions to the best of my ability, but also be a support system for you. And I wanted to translate that to help women of color, because again, like we need more women of color, like banding together and just becoming resources for each other. So does that answer the question? I always talk so much. Like as a, like as someone who's a storytelling co- coach and I like love to tell stories, I talk so much that I'm like, did I answer the question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess like to backtrack even more, like how would you define being like a storytelling coach and what do you actually do when you work with your clients?
1: Okay, this is a a uh, fabulous question. Thank you so much for asking this because it actually shifted direction recently. So when I first start, started talking about storytelling coaching, I was really into the content creation, um, just because like, I really thrived off of like talking or I'm sorry, like writing captions or writing blog posts, like written form is really just my strength. Um, and I wanted to help people. Cause I know a lot of people are like, I want to tell my story, but I don't know how, like, and I was like, okay, we can talk about content calendars. And then I just realized that no offense, like it just bored the crap out of me. Um, And I was just like, this is not really the direction I want to work on. Like I talk about empowerment and Mm. my focus and goal is to just like help women of color, like honor their stories. Like we've been told, a lot of us have been told growing up and throughout our lives that our stories don't matter. Our stories are too different. That's not the norm. And that means, you know, this means bad. Um, And I've faced that a lot, you know, in my upbringing so I wanted to you know assure women of color that like whatever you're experiencing or have experienced all of this is valid like everything that you're feeling is valid and you don't have to change who you are just to fit some kind of mold or as we've talked about a lot just like slotting yourself into this box right um so the way that I want to shift moving forward with storytelling is working on like developing like leadership styles and creating genuine connections with people because it starts with the self our story we tell our stories from An internal perspective right like so like this is my story like I'm sharing it with you, so -hmm. then you're reaching a a larger community Um, and that's what it's all about is like I have loved finding community on this platform and even though I have such a fraught relationship with this, you know space like virtually in general. It has brought me a lot of connections and I obviously would love to broaden that because I started my business during COVID. So this was really the only Mm -hmm. way, Um, but to create more connections and help other women find and create those connections and really meaningful ones, because like I said, there's so much power in holding space together.
0: Yeah and I, and I absolutely love what you're doing with storytelling as well because from a lot of our like traditional cultures like stories is the way to keep everything alive you know like even recipes and uh, <laughs> stories of you know when you came over you know to your respective countries that's like a huge part of it mm-hmm. um, so I guess I don't know like personally in your personal life your uh, cultural identity like how has storytelling impacted you I suppose yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's actually, again, like, I think I learned a lot about myself in this past year. So just for context, I quit my nine to five last January, um, to work on some healing processes. And I actually had some time to myself to like, grieve, think process, like everything about my life, which sounds really intense, but like, I was able to see my like timeline and trajectory from a larger lens and like, learned a lot about like how capitalism has impacted my life and again like squashing my identity has impacted my life and I was like wait a minute this is not how I want to move forward this is not how I want to lead my life um so oh my god what was your original question (laughs) uh how how
0: has storytelling kind of been woven into your personal identity (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassing. Um, my my mind runs so quickly, and it cannot keep up with my actual mm-hmm. vocalization. So thank you for bringing me back. Um, so I started to share a lot more of my stories through my blog, um, but then kind of migrated over to Instagram just because it was easier to make connections. Um, just because blogging is not dead. I do not believe blogging is dead, but I do find the interactions very limited. Um, and limiting on a traditional Mm. blog platform. So I started opening up and doing my reflection process, like kind of live with everyone. I was like, this is how I'm feeling right now. Is anyone out there? Like, (laughs) can anyone hear me? And yeah. And like, all of a sudden, just more and more, especially women of color were coming through like the hashtags, I guess is how they found me. Right. And just being like, Hey, like, I, I feel you, I understand your experience. And I was like, it's not just me like I and and also like again being really okay with the steps that I'm in in my journey um and even though I kind of like self-deprecating in a self-deprecating way say like I'm very late to like coming to consciousness but like something that I also discussed with a friend last night is like there's it's not like a competition right like and also there's so many factors that have created this type of environment for ourselves. Um, So yeah, storytelling has allowed me to like really process and understand and by receiving affirmation from other people, I'm just like, wow, like this is really powerful to know that I'm not alone in feeling this way. Um, So yeah, hopefully that answers your your question (laughs)
0: yeah I think yeah I think definitely like it's really important to realize that I suppose like our 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 life is a story anyway and like we're kind of writing as we go along to use that metaphor um so I think it's really great what you're doing with helping women of course like write theirs rewrite theirs maybe even um and discover what their story is because like you know like everyone has a story to tell right
1: yeah exactly and it's like future building right like Another part of storytelling that I really love is like, I talk about it as like the past, present, future. So like past, like what we've done before, like how that is our story, but like Mm. present is like how we are seeing ourselves in our story we're literally currently at. But then future building is like, what do I want my story to be? What story do I want to leave behind? And allowing us to have a create, create a broader vision. Um, Because Mm. oftentimes, again, I feel like as women of color, like we are told like not to dream big. Um, because of so many things like limiting factors but kind of pushing outside of that and being like how can we like change this narrative um, knowing that there are systems of oppression that will get in our way and make it more challenging but giving us permission to say yes to a lot of things and that we want in our lives.
0: Mm, yeah I guess well then I guess a little piece of advice yeah what's the piece of advice that you give to anyone who's listening who kind of needs that permission to like kind of write their own story and like dream a little bigger what would you say to them
1: good question I would say like despite like you know this is something that I'm learning myself is like despite like coming into consciousness being like holy shit, there are so many things against us. And instead of letting that bring us down, using that as information, but again, knowing that there is so much power in allowing ourselves to like dream big, grow big Mm -hmm. and all these things. um, Because we we can do big things, especially like I said, like not even just women of color, right? Like BIPOC as a whole, like when we come together, we're stronger together. Um, and that is just something that like, I want, I would love for everyone to keep in mind is that like, we, we can do this despite all of these things that may make it challenging hard as fuck, like, and really, really difficult barriers. I don't want to, I don't want people to feel like hindered because Mm. of that. Does that make sense? Like, Mm. I hope that doesn't sound like, you know, like I, I don't want it to be like, you know, you can do anything if you put your mind to it that's not what I'm saying it's mm-hmm. just like there is no harm in creating like a vision a vision board or like a plan like we can make plans like we can allow to have big dreams like that's mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah I see what you're saying because like obviously when when you say like oh you can do whatever you want there's kind of like a lot of nuance like nuances left out of it but mm-hmm. at the same time it's like we can recognize that you know there are obstacles but knowing that there are obstacles now what what can we do to maybe offset that in other ways um not necessarily in the way that's kind of set out for us right
1: right and it it makes me think of the saying like joy is an act of resistance I can't tell you how long I stared at that sentence before I actually understood it like joy is an act of resistance and I was like you know that's right like you know like we cannot let, you know, white supremacy, blah, blah, all these things, like, prevent us from having our joy. And that's why I love how your hashtag, I believe, for this series, or just a general, is like, um, I don't know what, how to say it out loud, but East Southeast Asian joy. Um, I, I just, like, really appreciate that. Because I'm like, you know, despite this whole week, especially in particular for the East, I would say it's been hitting the East Asian community hardest from what I've seen um but just like all the news that has been coming out um east and southeast asian um just like wanting to come on here and being like so excited that i had this ig live podcast to look forward to because i was like you know what it is lunar new year like i'm allowed to like be excited and do all these things for it despite like how hard it's been to digest like all of this news recently Mm. you
0: know yeah yeah for sure i 100% agree and like i i don't take credit for creating that hashtag because it actually came out of um i'm not sure if you know chef philly but basically it was just this um famous chef who um was you know uh, the whole brand was based on trying to make dirty asian food like clean or something and yeah yeah i know exactly eye roll (laughs) And, and there was just there was you know the whole like hoo-ha about that and then you know the whole marginal line thing so that uh, hashtag was created by a few people in the British East Asian community called like Anna Um, and yeah it was just started out of that and I think it's just a great place to just put all you know the pieces of joy you know whether it's sharing food with your friends your family or doing a new year stuff or literally anything to yeah reclaim that joy I suppose um which yeah definitely that that sentence joy is resistance is so it's like yeah that makes sense but actually when you think about it because joy is I don't know would you say it's like action and of like a
1: verb right yeah exactly like I think the world is so accustomed to like the suffering piece right like Mm. not in a um diminishing way but like oh my god they're suffering everything about their lives is so hard and terrible. And it's like, no, like that's not the point, you know, like there's so much joy in our communities. Yes. There are again, systems of oppression that get in our way, but that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to and cannot have this joy. And Mm. for those who are maybe possibly new to Lunar New Year, this is a new thing. Like, this is like a really big holiday. Like, especially like speaking from a Chinese perspective, like people get like two weeks off for this holiday (laughs) or like a month off or something. Like it's a really big deal, you know? Um, And to have all of this unfold right before it has been very like mind blowing. Um, But again, knowing that like holiday is still here for us and we can still celebrate and do all of these things um because there's so much rich history and culture and tradition that are that come with it you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and I guess it's it's about family like coming together with our own people like is not for like anyone else other than ourselves to actually celebrate that history um exactly. and I suppose going with the whole like family piece then like I don't know what's your like story your family's like uh immigration story like how have you come to be where you are today um because I think it'll be interesting to kind of talk about like the differences and the similarities between you know British Asians and Asian Americans
1: yeah for sure and admittedly I would like to do some more talking to you because my dad is like He's such a classic Asian dad, like not super talkative, like not very emotional, like emotionally connected. Right. So like, he's not the chatty one when it comes to things like that. So my dad is the one that has the big family. He's one of 11 and literally all of them were able to immigrate from Hong Kong to Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, So quite honestly, I don't really know how it all happened, why it all happened, but my dad is kind of on the middle lower end of the 11 children. And so my, my uncle at the time was just like 10 years older than my dad, I think. So he like, you know, was established in career, whatever. And he came over to America, brought like my grandparents, his parents. Right. Um, And then literally like family unit by family unit, like all of them ended up immigrating to the US. And my presumption is to have like a better life. My uncle, who was the oldest, he bought a home, and literally all of my family members, like, I think there were, like, at one point, maybe like 15 people in that one house, as people were trying to just like, find their footing when coming to America. So yeah, it's super brief. It's not like (laughs) the, the most like dramatic in any way. Um, but, um, I, my assumption is that the decision was that like, there's more opportunity here. Um, and my whole family is moving and, you know, family is so important. Like you said, and my, my dad's family unit is so close, like, albeit like very dramatic within themselves. Cause when you have (laughs) 11 siblings, it's quite a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the brief Chan history <laughs> of coming to America. <laughs> uh, how, how recent was this?
0: Or how long ago was this?
1: Um, My parents personally came um, maybe a couple years, two to three years before I was born. Um, but some of, a lot of my cousins, a majority of my cousins were born in Hong Kong and then like ended up immigrating. So over the course of the 80s, 1980s. Mm. Nice, yeah
0: nice. Yeah, it's really interesting because like my parents came here like for well my dad was born here and then when he went back to Singapore and they came back my mom like came back came here when she was in university so right. like it's kind of interesting to go into the background um because my grandma is Chinese Vietnamese so mm-hmm. there's a whole side of that where I'm like how did you end up in Vietnam like you know <laughs> um and obviously the war happened so they like left and things like that um right but it's interesting and I'm like I don't know any of this stuff like right like I did you get taught any of Asian Asian history in school
1: um oh my god this is embarrassing question that I also had a friend with uh, a conversation with another friend is like I was a terrible student so like I don't really pay attention but um I definitely learned about the history but again I don't pay attention (laughs) it's really embarrassing (laughs) I was a terrible student (laughs) (laughs) but I did pay attention when they talked about Hong Kong and like the OBM wars and like all that so like I'm very as much aware as I can be of that history but like admittedly again like I I know I need to do my due diligence and research about like the roots of like my people um Mm. so And I'm coming to terms with being okay with that as opposed to being embarrassed by that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, that's so much better than what we had up here. We had zero. Like, there was no no mention of even... There was the British Empire and, like... um, there was a brief, like, glossing over of like, oh, you know, like went to India, got a few spices, brought them back, um, <laughs> you know, jazzed up the salt and pepper situation they had, um, right? And then they went to like South America and and places, but it was like a very like glossed over situation, um, and like no mention of the Opium War or anything
1: that right. obviously yeah,
0: they had a huge hand in in the whole like Hong Kong colony and like like you know if the the British didn't go over to China and like mess things up, we wouldn't be here today. Like we wouldn't right, families would have never have left. Well, you know, who knows, but probably wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, which is actually, now that you like bring it up, I'm like, wow, like I didn't even, I like have to process like what a history class in the UK would look like. Cause like, even across the US, I don't know if you've heard this before, like the North versus the South, the way that we teach history is also different because of like the civil war and like who thinks who won who thinks he won um so it's just like weird to think about right like how warped like history can be just based on like who's writing it and who's creating the curriculum yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah it's mad I mean I mean that's why we need
1: to rewrite our own stories isn't it exactly and give voice to the people who like have been glossed over for so long because like it, so many people, especially like in a colonized colonized lens, it's like everything's hunky dory, and it's like no, things are still bad. You know, like yeah, it's I I'm, I'm stopping myself from going on to another tangent. We can have then a private conversation about <laughs> how like <laughs> history and movies makes things think like oh, this was in the past, like we're mm. we're we're literally past this, and it's like no, clearly we're not.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's it's it, it takes. Yeah, it takes like events like, you know, like the, all this um, anti-Asian racism and like, you know, the Capitol Hill, you know, mm-hmm. stuff happening over there to, to to wake us up to the fact that it's actually not in the past and we're still very much living this in the present. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I can see people joining now, but I suppose we're kind of about to wrap up on this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like if you have any questions or, or questions for Jelly about like, storytelling or anything I'm sure she'd be happy to um chat to you about that um but a question I always ask my guests is what does it mean to you to fully embrace yourself
1: oh my gosh I think to fully embrace myself is I talk about self-acceptance a lot on my um, page um because there's a lot of talk about like self-care, right. And like taking care of yourself and also self-love. Um, and I like to call myself a realist, not a pessimist, a realist. Um, and I like to use self-acceptance over self-love, not that there's anything wrong with the term self-love. That is such an important term, but um, sometimes not everything is good. And the way that we perceive ourselves is like, oh, this is such a tricky argument because the good versus bad. I don't know if you've ever watched, um, the good place, um, the mm-hmm. TV show. Um, but I don't want to dive into that whole philosophical thing. Um, but just accepting of where you're at, like, even if you're having a bad day, um, or even if you're not feeling the best about yourself, um, just knowing that like whatever you're feeling is so valid. Um, there's so many factors that go into like the way that we perceive ourselves, society perceives us and how that kind of affects each other. Um, but just embracing myself just means like, I am okay with where I'm at right now, or at least I'm accepting of this. I'm, I mean, I hold myself in this space. I'm okay with the sadness, the anger, even if that's the bad side, but the good side, of course, is easier to hold on to. Um, but knowing that, like I am worthy as a human, regardless of whatever whatever stage I'm I'm at emotionally, physically, whatever it is.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, I love that because I think, yeah, definitely, it's easier to think like, oh, like I'll embrace myself when you know this happens, or I'll act, I'll be happy when this happens. But actually, like there is no other moment than right now because that's the only moment you will ever live in. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a really really good reminder. Um, so I guess yeah it's like where can people find you and your work Um, Um, listen to this
1: (laughs) yeah uh, so you can find me pretty much I shouldn't say everywhere you can find me under root and cultivate at primarily Instagram Um, I have my Blog, rootandcultivate.com, um, and that's also for both. You will be able to find links to um, my rooted stories community, which is a brand new Mighty Network that I've started, um, just to keep the conversation going um, with other women of color who are ready to just tell their story or on, you know, trying to get their footing with how to tell their story, like all of these things. Like, um, just to get on my soapbox for one second, I, I truly believe that we're all storytellers. We just by nature, like you said, there's so much ancestral, like history and passing down of stories that comes with that. Um, but it's about just like honoring that place and the story that comes with um, and starting there, so. Those are the corners of the internet that I lurk. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for coming on today. And yeah, I think this conversation was really good and especially for this moment in time, like really healing, I suppose, like like digging into like what storytelling is. Um so yeah, thank you so much everyone for coming today, whether you were listening um on the podcast or whether you're listening live. Um this will go up as a replay as well. So if you've just hopped in or, you know, come in halfway through, you can listen through the whole thing, you know, as a podcast, the kind of thing. Um, um, but yeah, so I guess we will see you next time on the next live. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I've got another one with someone else on Sunday. So make sure you tune in if you're available. But yeah, thank you so much, Jenny, for coming. Thanks so
1: much for having me.
0: Happy Lunar New Year. <laughs> yes, happy lunar year. Uh, <laughs> sunny Pylock. <by laughs> <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, see everyone. Have a good evening, day wherever you are all right bye bye (laughs) bye that's it for today's let's talk episode if you enjoyed it don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform share this episode on social media and leave a review so that others can benefit from it too and until the next episode cheers to your endless confidence joelle